Good afternoon and welcome everyone back to our podcast. Um, I'm very happy to say we're not going to be boring you, just myself and Darren today. We've got a lovely guest who we'll intro in a minute. But as always, I always like to check in with you, Darren. How are you? How's your week been? It's been all right. Uh, other than you giving me grief about my random day off yesterday. I, uh, for everyone watching, I took my uh, preschool child uh, out for the day in London and we went to the uh, transport museum which apparently is very nerdy, according to Jamie. Well, we are Loon Geeks Unplugged, so I think we're <laughs> validating the title of our whole vlogcast here. But yeah, there's, there's so many things in London, and you you went to the geekiest one out of all of them, I think. It I'm is proud good. of you. It is good, though. It's in Covent Garden, so you can get a nice bite to eat after. And if you go once, once you've bought a ticket, you can go free for 12 months. There you so go. There's the geekiness there. You, but... you now trying to do it. <laughs> Three for one deal on it as well. Wow, wow. But yeah, I highly recommend it. Anyway, yes, as uh, Jamie says, we do have a guest, uh, Caroline Cresswell. Uh, we used to work together, uh, and I um, bother Caroline regularly on career advice uh, and amongst other things as well. Um, uh, so, Caroline, uh, welcome, and uh, give us a. a a debrief into what you do now and an introduction of where you've come from because we used to work together and then uh, you quit and decided to do something completely different. I did. I, I had an early career in, in recruitment and then I did 15 years in, in tech sales um, as frontline and, and sales leadership uh, positions. So I had experience as a candidate and hiring manager all through through that. Um, and I'd thought about going back to recruitment, but there was a there was a pivotal moment in the summer of 2016, and we had one of these um, mid-year kickoffs, and um, a very well-respected senior leader was talking about purpose and having a purpose in what we do. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't really think about these light bulb moments, but it, it genuinely was one of those, and I just felt at that time sat in one of those uncomfortable conference chairs that my purpose wasn't aligned to what I was doing so I started thinking about what else I could do um and with a bit of a, a nudge from a, a friend of my husband I I made the brave step and set up my own um recruitment business um and I haven't looked back since um I still get to talk to loads of the same people um and you know make an impact in their, their their careers um a lot of my network that i had back in the day they're either candidates or or clients so not a lot has changed uh, but a lot has changed <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I like the fact that the purpose was probably to drive more sales and whatnot and then you decided no screw this this is not no. for me i work to a different set of kpis these days <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like the um and, and I think it's really really important from a, a career perspective to have those moments in your life uh and, and I think Jamie you're the epitome of it we talked about it on a previous uh vlogcast around switching careers out of sport and professional football soccer sorry I know you hate the, that term um and you know stepping into technology so to do the uh, with it's not probably as extreme uh, but it's probably extreme from going from having structure and a boss and a target and, um, you know, a career path to actually I'm 
building something from nothing. Um, but that's exciting as well, right? Must have been exciting. It, it was. It was. Um, it was a bit nerve wracking at the beginning. I, I thought I would struggle to get clients. Um, I thought that would be the hard, hard bit. But you know, as contacts in my network, and we will talk about network later. As contacts in my network heard that I'd set up a business, um, I was really fortunate that the respect that they'd had for me as a salesperson or a sales leader they then saw that translating into my work as a headhunter um so i made contact with people they said yeah we'd love you to work with us they didn't even question did i know anything about recruitment um <laughs> so that it's a touch of blind faith um and then people were contacting me from my networks so, you know saying oh i see you've set up on your own doing this you know we'd love you to help us so that, that was really terrific, you know, that my network has absolutely rallied um, because, frankly, going out and doing, you know, cold calls. Hi, I'm Caroline. Can I come and recruit for you? You know, if, if you're unknown, that's really hard to do. Yeah. So I've been incredibly fortunate that, that my network has been really supportive um, and really loyal. So, yeah, I've got both candidates and clients out there and candidates I've placed have since become clients um you know even had a failed placement become a client um so, so yeah a bit of luck um and goodwill from my network i think a lot of that is reputation what you're mm. saying is if you're not a dick you'll be all right mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah i think it, yeah. it carries you don't it like you're yeah. how you are as a person I, i'm a strong believer this that's why i feel you can transfer careers it carries it as a person because people will go I, I can communicate with that person i can deal with them on that level so yeah it always helps yeah whatever they whatever you'll do you'll you'll do it honestly openly and to the best of your yeah. ability yeah I, that's true i think if you've if you've got a reputation for getting stuff done yes um, yeah. whatever whatever that is and um i think that is a tra that's probably one of the most transferable skill sets you can you can have uh, having the ability to say i get stuff done and being able to back that up with with examples and being a decent human being to work with if you are generally fairly affable and get on with people yeah and you can get stuff done they are really underrated skill sets and i don't think there's a box to tick on linkedin to say that you have those as skill sets but you can say you're you know you're a python guy or uh, you know something else yeah. but these are some of the bits that you can't convey on a cv you can't no. convey no. on on linkedin but your network already knows it yeah or yeah, face to face okay. you meet somebody and you go wow i really like this person what is it they're good at again you know and you end up with a situation where the skill sets you were originally looking for are less important than the characteristics of that person mm. and their ability to get stuff done and being good to work with you know even if somebody is a effectively a kind of lone wolf in the work they do there's still a collaborative element to it they're still gonna have to get along and work with some other people and yeah. with all the skills in the world if you can't get stuff done and can't get along with people it literally doesn't matter what you're any good at no, no. and we, we we always joke about uh luton town football club they have a mentality of from a recruitment team their recruitment team says we employ the person first then the talent which I think is yeah. always it's actually really nice thing way of thinking um, about how how they um, how they recruit their, their 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 staff and their professional players. 
So I've got some questions, and so is Jamie, and hopefully yes. we, we – um, um, so my first one is, what's the market like right now? We're in June. We're recording this in June, the end of June 2023. Release will probably be in a, a month or two's time when we all get back from um, holiday. Hopefully nothing changes dramatically, depending on what Elon Musk decides to tweet about. But Fair, fair point, Darren. You know, based on some of the sort of macro factors that are outside of our control, the market's quiet right now. We've, um, from other recruiters I'm talking to and clients, it, it's quiet. Um, have we hit the summer lull early? Hopefully. Um, I think if we look at the past two years where there's just been huge headcount increases um, across so many businesses, such a lot of recruitment done to scale businesses for an anticipated demand that perhaps wasn't as big, well, it clearly wasn't as big as people were hoping for so you've seen from earlier this year some of the really big tech companies with some hefty layoffs mm-hmm. um, we've seen smaller organizations just backing off from the recruitment process and just you know taking stock either replying more due diligence to their headcount decisions extra layers those sort of thing you know last last year it, it was it was fast paced um and you know the last 24 months have been really busy uh for me um but yeah it's it's definitely slowed down a little bit now um so perhaps when this comes out we're probably still in that summer lull hopefully preparing for things picking up in september do you think some of that uh is because money was easy to obtain and and it was relatively cheap and we're talking mac you know macro again uh so getting and yeah the investment that was easy to uh, for for staff uh, and also there was a um, snapping up talent is because I don't want some, my competitor or my the other organization to 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 have that. So there was almost like a a hurried recruitment process for those two years. And we're seeing it normalize. Would you say yeah. that fair? We'll get we, we we do this and then we do that. And somewhere in the mm. middle is the kind of sweet spot of, of where we, we probably live. Um but you're you're right. I think organisations were looking around and going, "Goodness me, our neighbours are hiring like mad." Um, yeah. You know, we, we've got to do the same for for growth. So there is a bit of that, and then you've had the opposite of that over the past uh, couple of months. Where organisations are, are right sizing for, you know, the, the demand. I am hearing that um, some clients have got loads of pipeline of um, opportunities out with their clients, awaiting that sort of end user decision making to take place so that's kind of stalled while organizations are worried about what's going on in in the market um i think when we get general confidence back in the market that will then filter through to end user organizations having more confidence in the projects that they're doing that'll then turn into those projects flowing through to all the tech and digital organizations that you 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 and i um know and then that demand for people to do that work will be back on track hopefully we won't have such a steep increase um and we can get off the roller coaster and it be a little bit more even yeah so then getting hired in a tight market yeah um is a subject we want to want to touch on so there'll be possibly people watching this that um and i think one of the um articles that jamie posted uh to the two of us was around um a percentage of people um 
that are actually actively looking and when they say actively like applying and it was like 53 percent of people in a job currently in a tech job currently are looking for a role or at least applying for a role um it would be interesting to get your take on how you can be hired in that market i mean firstly your take on that stat which i think is really high actually as i don't know in my experience it's quite high but then um also how do you get the green light and in a, in a market that's quite tight because people aren't throwing job offers at you left right and center like they were I, okay to, so to answer the point about the the, the the candidate market and the people looking i think some of that is serious looking i think some of it's browsing if something okay. better if something better comes along um and that doesn't mean they're dissatisfied with where they are it just means they're open to new opportunities and i think in the past couple of years i think people have become more open-minded to other opportunities potentially if it's going to improve something in their world and that might be you know we talk about reasons for moving it might it might be more money it might be better work-life balance it you know whatever mm. that it might be better development it might be a step up that they've been waiting for and they've not been able to get or it might be a sideways move with the promise of development um so that's why people are kind of open-minded right now. Um, don't underestimate the sort of cost of living as drive uh, to, to drive people, yes. because they're, they're asking for pay rises and they're not getting them right now because companies can't afford to. Um, so they're thinking, well, the only other way to get a move to get to get money is to um, make a move. So yep. that's driving a, a, a higher sort of browsing rate, I think. Um, but yeah that does sound pretty hard but i don't think it's down to a bunch of people being really unhappy uh just more you know open-minded the world's more open now isn't it like before mm-hmm. we started i referenced like my dad was in company for 25 years that that yeah. will still happen but that's going to become less and less because mm-hmm. it's almost like dating linkedin's opened that portal like dating's opened the portal where i probably wouldn't have met my wife back in my parents time but because i could access an app i can then reach her in london sort of thing and it's that linkedin has opened that whole network hasn't it um and availability it's easy you just uh, message somebody and say hey i've looked at your profile it looks like you've been doing some great work we've got a role that's a step up from what you're doing now um by the way you don't need to come into the office if that's your your thing and we're going to pay you some more money are you interested in having a chat well people are kind mm. of like, yeah kind of i ought to um, and the number of conversations I have with people who are what we call passive candidates, I hate the word, but it means they're not actively looking, but they've said, yeah, I'll, I'll connect with you, Caroline, and we can have a chat. They go, yeah, I'm kind of happy here. And then we get talking. And a few weeks further down the line, they've gone, goodness me, Caroline, you've opened my eyes. I love this opportunity you've, you've brought to me. I'm handing in my notice tomorrow and I'm starting in, in a month's time. That isn't entirely unusual. Um, so that openness is is certainly what's driving the mobility it's easier to change jobs um apart apart from the fact it's a tight market the actual process to move is easy um but to get on to the topic of what to do in a tight market there's, there's kind of three areas um i'll talk about linkedin first of all because that's that's probably where most people are going to be found now wouldn't it be nice if you were found and offered something really cool you know, and you didn't have to do any hard work. So by updating your LinkedIn profiles, that means putting a headline in there that might make sense to somebody who isn't the same level of tech as you. 
imagine it making sense to just a plain old recruiter like me. So yeah. a headline, a headline that speaks to more than, you know, people are people are do, doing all sorts of silly headlines, put something in there that makes sense and tells people what you do. Yeah. Um, have a photo. Um, not one that's got your graduation robes on it um, or one down the pub. It doesn't have to be fancy either. It just don't make yourself look weird. Um, it's good advice. I'm going to get you to review mine you, after this. You are you are, we are judged by, yeah. by, by the, yeah. you know, caps on backwards looks really silly. But it, it, I'm not talking about it being super professional. It just needs to be a nice snapshot without you looking weird. Um highlight the skills and accomplishments that that are there in your role tell people what you actually do and in a language that's going to make sense to people outside your teeny tiny tech circle um if you've got you know one of these websites with your work on it stick the link to it you know post your projects on there let somebody glance at your linkedin page and have a clue about what you do yeah. And then they can, because a big criticism of candidates is be, they keep being offered rubbish. Now, is yes. that because somebody's made a sloppy approach? Yes. Or is it because somebody's just gone, I think your, your profile looks like you do this and you, you don't. Um, I mean, I was in that first conversation, I usually check what somebody's doing unless they've got a very detailed profile to tell you what they're doing. So give people, give recruiters half a chance to find you. Make yourself look like the role you want now don't mean lie and start saying load of stuff on your job on your linkedin that looks like a job description for something else i mean make yourself look like you're ready for that role that you actually want so that's about the headline the photo the skills and accomplishments and putting a bit of effort into that also brings a slightly human quality to you know something that's a bit a bit flat um Pokey colleagues and ex-customers and what have you for recommendations. Um, give some recommendations if you need to sort of start the, the, the ball rolling. Then it just makes your profile look more interesting. It also sort of validates the work that you've done. People always like to look at those recommendations and see that, you know, just a couple of lines that says, oh, Darren did a brilliant job with that client with the, you know, big, hairy, scary cloud migration uh, yeah, yeah. you know thing um exactly you know words words to that effect um and i guess the last thing about linkedin is to engage with the platform now i'm not talking about living on there like a recruiter does because we're on there all day i'm talking about spending a few minutes every now and again engaging with groups that are in your line of work join some of the other groups comment on on what's going on in there be become visible share posts Make your own posts if you're feeling, feeling bold, but kind of get involved with other people so that they can see you. Um, it's contentious as to whether you tick the green circle. Um, yeah, I'm always going to ask about that because yeah. I always like, uh, uh, you know, uh, some of my network, I've got close to 2,000 connections. Um, and some people are very bold with doing that and saying, hey, I'm looking for another job. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. It's the British in me is very much like wow, like you know. Um, and some people aren't. What, what's your opinion on that? That's a, it's an interesting take. It says open. It doesn't mean job hunting. Yeah. Um. So it makes it makes you more likely to have a recruiter engage with you. 
the back end of LinkedIn is LinkedIn Recruiter. And we have filters and we can tick a thing that will present as people that says the people who are open. So if you want to be found by the recruiters, if I'm a recruiter looking for a cloud migration chap a person, um, and am I going to look at yeah? Am I going to look at the people who are open to work first or not? Exactly. Yeah. So it's about be, if you if you want if you want to be found, you've got to be visible. So you've got to have a visible profile with some sensible content on there, and I think tick the circle. Your employers can't see it; only recruiters can see it. I so tick your, the circle. Not right now, but in the past, I've done it, and yeah. I have to say within three days the yes. raft of things that come in to me is, is yes. uh, a sharp increase 100%. you can make yeah. it public you can make it public you can. Right? i've seen you yeah can. that's what i mean i've seen people do that and i'm and i've been working with them i'm like wow like you the british in me is like you are brave you are i know you're connected to the manager wow you're dropping it the other thing you can do is turn it off and then turn it back on again because when you turn it back on that triggers an email oh. alert to recruiters that says this save this person who you've saved in a project previously is now open to work like blood so, in the water for a shark in it like turn so it on can, like you can do that wow. um so so i I, th I say turn it on um you to you know say i'm happy to engage with with recruiters um i know there's a, there's a chance you're going to be offered all sorts of rubbish along the way and i can't change that but you're not you've got a greater chance of being offered the good stuff as well yeah yeah you have to it's through that and then yeah my last question before i hand over uh to jamie is we talk we've talked before about this understanding your value uh, as a person uh within the industry can you explain that terminology like we are five years old yeah. because i think some people think their value is well i'm great at python script um and they and I assume you're trying to elevate that conversation to someone who just doesn't know is to your point around make sure your LinkedIn makes sense to someone who's not in the tech industry necessarily. This, this is a really good point because it applies at all levels. I was talking to a COO about this the other day. So it, it goes right the way up to the, that yeah. level. Um, looking at his CV, and we'll use this one as an example. It was all about the stuff he was involved in, the stuff he was responsible for. So I'm responsible for Python stuff. Great. What you really want to be telling people is what that means. What is the outcome from that Python work? What is the outcome from that migration project? Those outcomes and those accomplishments are the most important thing to convey. That is your actual value. And, you yeah. know, it might as a project manager, it might be that you get stuff done ahead of time and under budget. That That's kind of literally the only two things you need to do a successful project and under budget and on time um what does that work actually result in is is what i'm asking people to think about so um in explain it like your five um terms what does that python work do and yeah. that's what you should be talking about um and forgetting the fact that it was python because it could be something else yeah it, it it I don't know improves value of X Y and Z customer satisfaction, yeah. satisfaction reduce risk whatever it may yeah. be but it's trying to understand your area of the value chain within probably, what you do 
And you've probably got multiple layers of value. There's the there's the value that you deliver to the customers for the work that you do. Mm. Um, so it might be the work that you do resulted in a really great app being built. Yeah. Or the work that you do um, turned into some additional revenue for your employer. Um, so both of those are good outcomes, um, neither of which talk about what you actually did. Yeah. Yeah. Does and, that but, make but, sense? It does. No, it, does, it, does, make, it, does. It, it does make sense. And I think that we've discussed these points pre, like previously met many times. Um, I will hand over to Jamie because he's got a couple of questions yeah. before, before we move on. Yeah, because yeah, you sort of touched upon it in terms of your career where you said you did have a bit of experience in recruitment and headhunting and then you went into the sales role and then you sort of realised you wanted to go back in. In that time, I'm making an assumption here, but I'm hoping you might see what I mean. Has recruitment changed in tech a lot? Because there's been agile for a while, but a lot of companies now are suddenly going like a light bulb. Oh, we need to be agile. Has that changed dramatically from your sort of that time frame? But also with that, did you have to read up on it, like to start understanding? Or did you just have a broad knowledge of agile anyway? Oh gosh, um, being a small business, you're naturally agile by yeah. by nature, and you know I talk about being able to adapt and change to suit the needs of my clients and candidates so that's you know something i, I do was it was it intentional um, it was intentional actions did i have a plan to be to be agile no i was just working in in that way organically has the market changed um the ability to recruit differently has changed yeah <laughs> what ha so the ability has changed so Back in the 90s, gosh, that's just aged me, um, there was no LinkedIn. Yeah, of course. So how did you find people? Gosh, I would call a reception. Mm. I know. And then you start, you know. So anyway, that was how it was done in the olden days. Now you've got LinkedIn. You can connect with people. You can get straight into their email. You can engage without troubling reception or alerting them to the fact that you're headhunting in their organisation. <laughs> um, the, the difficulty with recruitment, the one thing that hasn't changed, and you see this in sort of the larger recruitment agencies, is the KPIs and the activity hasn't changed. Mm. Um, and that's possibly holding recruitment back. So there's still an obsession with counting the number of candidates you might talk to, counting the number of CVs you send somewhere counting the number of interviews you've arranged and i know kpis are important but the act, the only kpi that's actually important is the placement yeah fine yeah. of course fine. yeah fine. and you know and some and because there's a human factor in there it might be a short list of one and that person gets hired because you've, yeah. you've you've screened out everyone else and you've gone to the client you've gone I'm not sending you anyone else. This is the right person. The rest are rubbish. Um, or it might be, you know, the, the goalposts are moving and it might be a short list of eight. And we still don't get it right. Um, so the, the focus on some of those legacy KPIs is holding recruitment back. Yeah. The ability to do things differently is absolutely here and now. And we should be embracing that, you know, the technology that, that's available to us. Um, you know, for example, Teams interviews, 
um I, I like to talk to people over the phone so they could they can walk and talk and you you get them at, at their most relaxed especially during lockdown everyone's sick of staring at the little white spot on on their laptops um but you know a lot of recruitment was done face to face that's really time consuming mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's a, so you know and if i look at how much face-to-face time i have my clients these days it's lots of infrequent whatsapp you know um facetime teams um it's it's in free it's um more frequent but less um formal so i think the recruitment recruitment has become less formal which is a good thing um and i think the process is being applied by recruiters and clients has evolved and adapted um i think they're doing a lot of uh, teams interviews early stages and then perhaps bringing people into the office for a more immersive time in the building meet a few people have coffees and it's kind of like we really like this person we're now going to bring them into the office check they've got you know check how they interact with people face to face um so that's definitely changed and for the better the speed at which we can hire is really really changed you know um if in, in the olden days you phones let's say you got through to speaking to somebody there was no linkedin profile could you send me a cv oh, i haven't updated my cv in a few years so you wait for the, the candidate to update the cv then fax it to you do we need to explain what a fax is to anyone on this um and then you would then fax it to your client who might go and pick it up a couple of days later and read it. So that you can oh God, this process sounds horrific, doesn't it? How did anybody change jobs? Um, That's why my dad stayed there for 23 years. I can be bothered. So, so these days, um, I'm working with clients, and we don't have job descriptions in some cases. I've got um, director of operations starting on Monday, and I suspect he'll be writing his own. Um, I'm placing candidates without CVs, because we've got the benefit of the LinkedIn profile and thankfully a degree of respect of my um screening abilities so the world has definitely got really quick if we choose to work that way yes yes and we've got to adapt the interview process along the way with that so we've got the video bit but then it's about what do we do further down the line and this is sometimes where i think um, hiring organizations can work better i work with some terrific terrific clients who are really really slick um you know they make a decision quickly um they move people through the process quickly feedback is quick um and then they go to offer within the space of 48 hours you know that's the kind of speed that people need to be operating at these days we've got to think like uber yeah <laughs> mm. You know, that's that that's the pace at which or Amazon Prime, that's the kind of pace at which we're living our lives. And that's what we're having to apply to work. And if it means arranging an interview with someone terrific without a CV and a job description, then let's do it. Yeah. Let's not be held back by old traditions. So yeah, is the is the, is the CV is the CV dead? No, but it's slowly dying, maybe. <laughs> That, that's a sort of good segue into sort of a two-pronged question so in terms of when i speak to recruiters and i know some really good ones um i can tell they understand the basis of what i what i do so have you had to sort of learn an understanding because you referenced about how someone would write um, a linkedin profile so anyone could pick it up but when you're then hiring for a company you obviously Ooh. have a specific um, person you need to find 
for each different sort of discipline in tech and digital, have you had to start to hone, right, I know what a product manager does, I know what a um, developer does, I know what a designer does, a data analyst, sort of basics of it. So then you know what they're telling you. You're like, yeah, I can tell they've got good knowledge themselves kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know I what really grinds my gears. My own career. Um, so I had some insight into what a good one of, you know, what a good one of those looked like. I, I reckon I knew what a decent salesperson looked like, decent sales manager, decent bid manager, decent tech. Um, you know, the, but there were some areas that were outside of my familiarity and I have had to um, upskill myself. And, you know, I've had some terrific clients and terrific candidates help me understand this stuff and you get sometimes you get a nice really helpful candidate and you go can you help me understand this stuff let's just go back and just explain it really slowly imagine you're talking to your nan um yeah. and, help you know, me let, help you yeah <laughs> kind of and you know so i've had some really great conversations i've seen some great diagrams drawn to help me get up to speed am i there yet yeah, gosh you know the world's moving faster than i can possibly keep up with um i'll start taking consults from the kids next um really? But yes, I did have to put some effort into understanding some of the more more technical um, yeah. elements. But a lot of that comes from the, the client helping you. You know, my mm. clients give me really good briefs. Uh, they tell me what's important about the work that this person's going to be doing. Um, and we, you know, we, we distill it down into probably three or four key areas of what's important in this role. And I can take a message with three or four things and take that to a candidate. And we can talk about how they feel about that and you know, we talk about how do you think you're a good fit for this? So it's about having an open conversation. Um, yeah. We're not just ticking boxes, you know, Python tick. You know, we, we're still hiring humans for now. Yeah, because that's the thing. I, I, again, I have seen some great ones, but I've then come across ones who I know when I'm telling them something, they have no concept of what I'm telling them. And I, I do, I try and base it. Like I'll go, basically go on to BBC Sport. Imagine you want to look at the Premier League table. If you find that hard, I'm the person who's there to unpick how we can make that easier and try and use data. And then, yeah. oh, okay, but then they still, you can tell, just go, okay, I'll take that back. And they don't get it. And then that leads into the sort of what I said about the two problems. Because I've, in our research before this sort of um, podcast today, I was looking at sort of tiring trends. And it seems like data analysts is the next big thing. Mm -hmm. It's been developers, it's been product managers. And it looks like now as companies, are going we need to be more data central like central mm -hmm. like really focus on what we can get is there a particular discipline that you do find the most challenging to fill though um you're right D data is important and now everyone's got a load of data yeah <laughs> what do we do with it we, yeah. we you know um so we better get we better hire some people who can understand it for us and translate it into something we can talk to the actual rest of the business about um that's a challenging area because they're in demand so are they hard to are they hard to find no they're not uh are they hard to entice away yes they are um really? th there's, there's yeah there's yeah they're they're, they're, in, they're in demand um a while back it was the as you say the developers were in such demand that it was really hard to engage with them yeah. um they were they were they were so hard to um approach um you know engagement rates were really low in in, in that space or, or maybe it was just me and my messaging um but uh but yeah the the analysts now are very popular uh they're in demand um so they're probably having a slightly easier time than others uh being offered uh roles right now yeah 
yeah it's, i think that's but like again i i know a lot of developers and that was the thing they'd say like i i just my inbox is just relentless like approaches i don't have time to keep up with it and i was mm. like wow i wish i could get in that situation at times um to be that loved but yeah i, I from my reading and research it was looking like that data analysis is the next hot sort of thing within the industry um and it'll, be, it'll be chat gpt prompters yeah it will it will yeah. be the ability to do <laughs> chat gpt um which i'm getting better at so i'm 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 upskilling so i might put that as a skill on my linkedin profile can do a chat gdp prompt prompt yeah, yeah and get some stuff out of it so uh, uh there's re really good insight and um uh really really enjoyed the chat i think before we get on to the uh what grinds my gears and you know what really grinds my gears caroline is um two questions we like we like gonna start asking our guests um i'll i'll start with the first question which is have you ever been to luton yes. as it is a luton podcast you, you had to think about that didn't you <laughs> no i didn't i've never been to luton <laughs> No, you were thinking about me. You were thinking, how can I frame my face not to show the stain? <laughs> what's, the, what's the correct facial expression? Say, yes, I've been to Luton. Um, <laughs> okay. And that then leads me to the follow up of, if so, and what did you think to it? I, I've not been to Luton, Luton. I've, I've been to the airport. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the, I think we're going to do that. That's going to be your theme, isn't it? I've been to the airport. I've, I've spent I've, a lot of time at the airport, but no, I've not been to Luton, Luton. Not been out out. <laughs> Not been out out. Every I think there's gonna this is gonna be the theme with our our broadcast. Everyone would have been to Luton and it would have been to to pop off junction ten yeah. and grab something or uh, jump on the plane. Yeah, yeah, it'll be exactly. to the, the three I will predict, and I we can then get a data analyst, which you can yeah. then source as Caroline <laughs> on the data of this. But the three recurring ones, I'm confident, will I'll be. I'll just keep junction, a tally. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. just, junction just ten. So then they stopped off at McDonald's. Yeah. There's a McDonald's right off at the end of McDonald's or um, at the junction or Starbucks because then they'll go into Airport Parkway slash the Dart or yeah. they'll go into the airport. They'll be the yeah. three uh, the the, common the, denominators. Yes, I have been to Luton and that's as far as I've been. <laughs> okay. Brilliant. Do you want to introduce the next bit, James? Yeah, so this yeah is, go on then. Yeah, so Caroline, this is the thing we want to um, sort of keep going every episode and it's as darren referenced what grinds my gears and it's just basically what agitates you or annoys you right now in the sort of in the in work that you're doing i've got two i'm having i'm having two um <laughs> onerous interview process um yeah. where it's it seems where it starts to feel pointless mm -hmm. yeah um and that we're hiring by a committee that's that that grinds my gears just you know you like someone make it people say oh yeah re really really did did great Lo loved him or loved her uh everyone who they've met so far has really liked them we're just going to put them through some more process because it's a tick box um and that's so that's annoying the other one is rubbish perks we can't say free tea and coffee on a fry and, and a beer fridge on a friday and call it a perk it's absolute shambles um so they are my they are my two. Um we don't charge for hot water. We yeah. have a flashing toilet. Or, or the one that I love is 25 annual days leave. <laughs> what? Like, uh, uh, yeah, that's not I think that's, to... 
You both have stating plus, plus bank holiday, include plus bank holidays. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Included bank holidays. Yeah. 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 Oh, the so the onerous, yeah, the only... The onus process one I always think is funny, especially when there's like we have a six process a recruitment process. Yeah. I'm, what I don't understand. What what's the sixth one? I think you, you, this was one of yours actually recently. Yeah, we literally the last yeah. episode, Caroline. Yeah. I said um, the whole job hiring. The other, the main one I brought in my gear grind um, gear grinding it was um, the lack of feedback when you get to that final stage because you know you you'll know this like you know when you get to like the final stage there's max max five people who are doing that presentation or that two hour thing and then you get an automated email back and like wow i gave you two hours of a presentation you couldn't even give me like a bit of feedback so but i then referenced the process because i said and we said it before we start recording about if you spend 10 hours with me and you cannot see am i a good fit in terms of culture and do you think i can do the job and do you think that i can perhaps develop in the role or bring something new to role then i would actually question your judgment as a person i would because first impressions count but i i, I kind of like can talk to someone and within half an hour like i think i can get on with them quite quickly yeah um, so yeah that one I'm, i i fully agree with you on that one caroline it feels a bit like room 101 now i think we can end the room into a vault of gear grinding see i keep getting gear grinding in there it's going to be an album in um you go, you, one, Aaron? no oh you want me to go i'll go next go on, go on, um, so mine's a phrase of um i everyone says uh which is uh let's circle back on that subject uh it just pisses me off so much because what it means is i don't want to talk about it now can we talk about it later or i, I haven't got the capacity um but, so yeah the phrase let's circle back on that which is I'm gonna use what, that at home though <laughs> yeah obviously oh, oh that's the they're the circling back is we'll do that project next yeah. year <laughs> we've lived here for 15 years let's circle back circle on some back of on that. that yeah <laughs> the bathroom hasn't had a handle for the whole time we've lived here <laughs> yeah. privacy yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> oh yeah no that's, uh, that's i think i've heard that phrase in a slightly different wording but i've heard it actually today no joke oh really or, yeah 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 Let's, let's regroup. Regroup. Let's, yeah. let's regroup and reconvene in the yeah. same sentence, which I was like, wow. Is that because that. we're British and can't say no? Yeah. 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 yeah what they want to say is, I don't care no. for your problem. We've not looked at your problem for numerous months and years. So I'm just going to nicely say no, not for you. Not <laughs> anyway, Jamie, I'm going to leave you with uh, your what grinds uh, your gears and then the outro. I'm yes. just reading straight off the prod sheet. That's how unprofessional yeah, I am exactly. today. We're, we're slick here. Um, mine is maternity and paternity leave. Because um, I could go for hours on this. So I'll try and temper it. Um, I'm expecting my second child. Um, had um, my first born in 2021. And I'd seen people go away and have two weeks. So that's, that, that's a good time. And then when you're in it, you then realise that's nowhere near long enough. Like, And it's not because... It tends to be the men who take that leave um because the woman's obviously giving birth but what i mean in that is we're not the heroes but i cannot see how a woman who's gone through the experience of labor which i think some people have like science said it's like running a marathon or double depending on long you're in labor and some who have cesareans and then after two weeks yep sorry you're on, potentially on your own especially if someone's not remote working and they're going back to the office and you're there with a child and then if you have ch children like we are who are close in age you've got two kids at home and 
there's so many countries that aren't world leaders, supposed world leaders, who give six months a year. And in this country, and we're meant to be a leader in the world of how you do democracy, how you do things, and we do two weeks. And some companies don't even do that. They'll go to a paternity pay, which isn't your full pay. So it's a massive one that, like I said, I could spend a long time on. But I just think it's when you're in the moment, or, or you, if you're going to experience it, if you're listening or you have experienced it, I think people will agree. It's just, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. And it's, it's and also from the maternity side of things, going back into the work, how my wife was handled was nothing short of a disgrace where we can, yes, you can do four days from home, um, one day in the office and then got into the role. And then, oh no, we need you in four days. Well, we've got childcare. What, what, how do we magically sort that out? My husband works and it's that dynamic. So, yeah, that, that's my gear grinding for today. Um, I probably had to sort of dilute my tone of voice because I could feel the rage coming through on that one. <laughs> I, th- I think it's an interesting one. Caroline, what do you think of this uh, for, from a recruitment perspective? Uh, I know there's shared, there's shared maternity if you both work. But if you, I think Jamie's referring to the fact that if you don't work, yeah. your partner doesn't work or isn't going back to work. Gosh, um, have you seen improvement in that um in that area starting starting, starting. to see starting to see it being it being listed as an a, a, a real a real benefit um and the problem is uh, is it still 135 quid a week i don't know it, it's that's, something it's something it, it, yeah it's 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 not enough you know especially if if you're the, the main salary or if you've got to how do two of you go from double income to collectively 250 60 whatever it is yeah a week that's that's really i mean that, that's not gonna buy many nappies or or food um i think it started it's starting to shift and those are com- companies who are being loud and proud about this are probably going to do quite well it's almost an indicator as to how a company treats its people yes. yeah because you can't if you want if you look if you're looking for measures on a company's culture you can look these kind of indicators um it's hard to ask these ask the question at interview but though because who's going to be bold enough to be starting to talk about maternity and paternity mm-hmm. leave in the interview yeah. process yeah uh, you know um but who, it, it, who sh- it shows whether someone own organizations putting their money where their mouth is about we're all about the we're all about the individual and then we only offer um one week's paternity plus a week's you know whatever it yeah companies doing the minimum is uh it it, you you should yeah they we they should be red flags for us nowadays um minimum levels of flexible working so that so what i mean by that is i mean flexible working with rules attached to it (laughs) because that isn't called flexible working that's called Oh, are we calling it hybrid so yeah flexible working with with owners rules around it minimum benefits yeah um and things like that um and and i guess companies need to have varied benefits you know everything from the it's like this electric i saw an electric car deal with one organization they're helping people fund electric vehicles how cool is that um you know the bike to work schemes there's all of that sort of but looking after your people um especially people with kids they tend to feel very loyal and special because it's so because the bar's so low you've only got to be a little bit nice to be thought of as doing something 
you know, really amazing. Um, yeah, proper maternity leave, proper paternity pay. Let's do it like the Scandinavians. Yeah, but who's going to pay for it? That's the only issue, uh, I suppose. And, I, and I've said this, uh, like when I discussed it, uh, I said like I'm not unrealistic, and people are going to go magically to six months to a year. But are we really, really in the realms where you can't give the person taking the paternity a month? Like that extra two weeks, that just that would be again another godsend. Like if someone said to me, "There's two companies coming for you, Jamie. One will give you one month, and one will give you two weeks." I'm probably, even if the other one pays less, going to lean towards them because of that benefit. Like you say, like if you go above just the minimum, that makes you look stand out for me. And two more weeks is nothing in the world. Oh, in the grand scheme, it's not. But you I'm trying to look at the realistic, you know, like we're not going to go from two weeks to six months. We're no, not. No. Some companies will be brave, but the baseline, I don't think will. No. I think I the money is a barrier to it being taken. So you can yeah. you can offer it out. But if you say you can take that, you can take the leave because giving people extra holiday and leave isn't very difficult or very costly to mm. a business. But if you then say that leave is at what, what do we say? Hundred and whatever quid. Uh, you yeah, know, if it's a statutory, yeah. it, it's it's going to put them off doing it. Again, yeah. I'd love to do it, I can't afford to do it. I so the only way to, to get it, yeah. people to do it is for it to be at full pay, 80%, 70%. There'll be a number in there that's, that companies go, that feels okay to us and that feels okay to the employee. I guess you, you'd have to think, Jamie, about what would be a an okay number. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To take a month yeah. off um you know it shouldn't be you know if it's, a, if it's a basically complete salary sacrifice not many households uh in 2023 can afford to take a month of salary off when you know your food shop's 20 percent up oh, on last yeah. year um so it's a very difficult one right now but companies are struggling to give money away at the minute yes. yeah so pay rises yeah. and things like that um so I, I i don't think we'll make much headway on that this year, That's it would have to be a government initiative. Longest grind my gears ever. There you go, open. I do. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah the ground. Hand door. Yeah, really? they are. it's a ground. That's another one we can use. I love that. <laughs> That's a phenomenal one. Oh, I'm going to embrace that. Um, I think we, we should have that as the placeholder image at the start. The gears are ground. Um, but no, thank you very much, Caroline. Honestly, it's been fascinating. Um, and it's been good to actually have someone else's voice because, like I said, I think people would get tired of me and Darren's Lutonian voice. Um, that's a word, by the way. I'm going to keep saying that because people do not believe me when I say it. Um, but, yeah, as always, um, please follow us on LinkedIn. Um, I connected with you, actually, Caroline, in yeah. advance of this. So okay. it's great to expand that network. And we will have um, our next guest lined up who will be someone from Spotify, I believe, Darren. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. The Spotify model. Um, the, the great myth. But thank you very much, everyone, for listening and take care. It's been a blast. <laughs>